Welcome to Kindled Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Williams, and this is the show where we talk about truth and grace boldly. I'm so glad you're here. Hey guys, this is episode 110 of Kindled, and today I am chatting with Marsha Montenegro. Marsha is a woman who came out of the New Age movement. She was a professional astrologer for eight years and spent over 20 years actually in um, really deeply and heavily involved in the New Age lifestyle and movement. She has an incredible testimony of meeting God and actually coming to faith in Jesus. And she's now a professing believer. So it's a pretty incredible story. I can't wait for you to hear it. This is going to be a two-part episode. So you will have today's, which is her testimony, and then next week. She's going to get into a little more of the specifics when it comes to how the New Age, how New Age thought and practice is kind of seeping into Christianity, actually, in the church. So we'll be discussing how to kind of recognize New Age ideas and separate that from what is actually true. So anyway, for today, we're going to learn more about Marsha and hear her testimony. All right, here is my conversation with Marsha Montenegro. Well, today I'm chatting with Marsha Montenegro. Marsha, thank you so much for joining me today. Haley, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate being on and being able to chat with you. Yes. I was just telling you how I heard you first on Elisa Childers podcast and was just so fascinated by your story. I knew that I wanted to introduce you to my audience and the listeners of Kindled so that they could learn from your experience in the new age and the occult and just glean some wisdom from you in regards to that, because it is becoming a more and more relevant topic for us today. Yes, it is. Well, I would love before we get into that topic for you to just kind of introduce us to yourself and tell us a little bit about, you know, maybe your upbringing and how you grew up. Okay, sure. Yes, I had a little sort of an unusual childhood. My father was a foreign service officer, basically a diplomat. And so we lived overseas. We lived either in Washington, D.C. or overseas. You know, Mm -hmm. we would go back and forth. And so I, For example, my first words were in German, and my first school was a French school. (laughs) I mean, I did know English, too, but I had this exposure to other languages and cultures. My mother, you know, had been raised uh, as a Christian, and so my sister and I would go to churches in these various places. My father was an agnostic. Basically, he didn't think we could really know if there was a God or not. And my mother was sort of a nominal Christian. She didn't really do anything at home or in her life that would give any strong evidence of being a Christian. Mm -hmm. But I had exposure to to different churches. And I thought I was a Christian because I went to church, basically, is the bottom line of it. Right. Uh, And I started questioning that when I was a teenager. I started questioning the truth of the Bible. And just the whole thing. I mean, everything. I I questioned Christianity as a religion. I had several non-Christian friends in high school. And I more or less rejected it by the time I was 16. I, I decided that it wasn't true and that I wanted to explore other paths. I was, I was never an atheist. I always felt there was some kind of God. Mm -hmm. And so I started looking into other religions, uh, and in college, I got very interested in Eastern religions. 
And at the same time, I was very interested in the uh, paranormal and the unseen world and powers that people could have like, you know, telepathy and what used to be called ESP, which is basically psychic powers. And so all of that was very intriguing to me. And I would read about it and talk to people about it. And I had some experiences in college. And I actually had had an experience at age 11 that really stayed with me. And then I had more experiences in college that I felt showed me this unseen world and showed me these powers existed. And so after college, I pursued that just by reading a lot of things and a few times going to a psychic or an astrologer. And then I decided to get very serious about it. And I took some classes. Well, actually, I first, uh, before I did that, I first got involved briefly with Tibetan Buddhism. And I went to Tibetan Buddhist place in Atlanta, Georgia, which is where I was living after college. And I learned how to do the meditation. And I was reading the ideas in these books. I had been interested in Hinduism prior to that, actually starting back in college. Mm-hmm. And so then I got into this, and I also took a course called Inner Light Consciousness, which was, it's really, it's hard to describe it. It was kind of like a, a, a crash course in the new age. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. really what it was, although they didn't call it that. Mm-hmm. And I was learning these ideas of, of like remote healing and just of how you could do things with your mind and meditation. They did a guided meditation, and actually... It was through the guided meditation with that course that I was introduced to my, what was called a spiritual master. Mm -hmm. The spiritual master was actually, is what's more commonly known as a spirit guide. And once that happened, really things accelerated. And so after that, and after the Tibetan Buddhism, I got into Zen Buddhism, and I also started taking classes at this place called the Foundation of Truth in Atlanta. I took psychic development and astrology. I had always been intrigued by astrology, even back in high school. I had been very, very interested. And in college, I continued to read about you know, the zodiac signs, you know, Aries, Taurus, Gemini, and all the 12 zodiac signs. So that had always been it. That had been a long time interest for me. This is all really great. I have a question before you keep going. Okay. You know, I think that this term new age is people generally have some ideas about what that means, but Uh do you have a specific definition for that that would help us understand what it encompasses? Yes. Yes. And and I'm glad you asked that because, you know, throwing the word around and It is a term that's sometimes understood differently, you know, by different people. Basically, the way I define it is that it is a network of beliefs. Mm. It's not one monolithic thing with specific ideas and everyone agrees on that. It's a network of all these beliefs and they may, there's a spectrum and the spectrum goes from Gnosticism, which I'll, I'll explain in a second from Gnosticism to Eastern spiritual beliefs to what's called New Thought. And the New Age is rooted in those three areas. And some people are more on, you know, on one end of the spectrum than others. And other people will gather from all three areas. Now, 
it's important to know that people who do this usually do not even use the term new age. They don't right. use it of themselves and they may not even think that they're involved in the new age. And they also will not necessarily use these terms that I just used, except maybe the Eastern, Eastern religions. Yeah. And would I be correct in saying that new age has a negative connotation with it? Yes, it does. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're, yes, you're correct. I mean, I know it does for me. I just want to know, I wonder if yeah. it does for even people, like you said, who are involved. Yes. It tends to be seen as a pejorative mm-hmm. that's used like kind of to describe people who are really flaky or spacey. A lot of people will use it that way. And so people who get into these areas also are, are often aware of the implication of that word. And so they, they don't use it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I never used it of myself. And I think that, you know, I usually said I was first, I first said I was into metaphysics. And then I said I was into, I was on a spiritual path. That was my favorite way of describing myself. And then when I really got into Zen Buddhism, I would sometimes say I'm following Zen Buddhism and other spiritual ideas. So Mm -hmm. people will talk like that when they're involved in these things rather than say, I'm in the new age. (laughs) Right, right. Which like, that's much more palatable, you know, I'm on a spiritual path. Like, I don't know what you could, you could be Catholic or Christian or all kinds of things. Right, right. And, and who could criticize that? I mean, right. Unless somebody's really mean-spirited, they're not going to say, well, why are you on a spiritual path? That's terrible. You know, so it always sounds very positive. And so, uh, yeah, Gnosticism has actually addressed the early forms of it in several passages in the Bible um, because they made this very big split between matter and spirit. And matter was evil and spirit was good. So they taught that Jesus was not in a real human body. And that's why we have that verse in first John, that those who say that, you know, Jesus did not come in the flesh are of the antichrist, because that's what some of these early Gnostic type teachers were teaching. Right. And so this spirit matter thing still exists in the new age, although they don't say matter is evil, but they make this this uh, split between them and say material world is really a manifestation of the spiritual world and the material world does not have any real true substantive value or even any permanence including your body and also there's also another side to it where some people are into the idea of really secret teachings and special teachings to advance spiritually and you have to be sort of initiated into it. And it's not like something for everybody. So there's kind mm-hmm. of the secrecy. That's for people who are really into the more Gnostic side of it. But I have to say that that idea that I just expressed about spirit and matter and kind of secret teachings and being ready for it pretty much permeates the new age very broadly. Because you find it somewhat in the Eastern religious uh, section of the new age, which is mostly... Taoism, Hinduism, and Buddhism. And all three of those religions are what are called world-denying religions. And that means that the material world is either of little import, or it usually means even more than that, it means that the material world is not actually real. Hmm. And so you get different ways to express that. Or they might say, well, it's real because we're in it. 
and we have to live as a material being in order to advance spiritually Mm -hmm. or we're in it as a material being because we're trapped in it from karma. The idea that, you know, we're here because we are attached to this reality and we haven't realized that we really don't belong here. Hmm. So, um, and which is very Buddhist and Hindus is very similar, but it's more like we're living out our lives to, to learn our karma. And then when we learn it, we, you know, we reincarnate, we die and we come back again over okay. and over and over until we learn everything and then we can move on. And in Buddhism, they also have rebirth, but Buddhism is even more extreme in that they teach there is no self at all. And your concept of individuality and self is just a construct that's based on your experiences and your your sensations and your attachment to this reality, which is false. And because you're attached to it, you think it's real. And that keeps you from realizing that it's not real. And so in order to realize that it's not real and see the truth, you have to do things like meditation and actually mindfulness is the Buddhist form of meditation. And that has become really big in our culture. And I have wow. several articles on mindfulness on my website and I've done like, I've probably done at least 200 Facebook posts on mindfulness wow. since 20, since like 2011, I've been warning about it. And then it all of a sudden it became huge. You know, they're teaching it in the schools and they have it in the workplaces, et cetera. Yeah. And I will say for everyone listening, she's very active on Facebook and shares a ton of information over there. So you can, we'll link to that in the show notes. So people can follow you and dig deeper, but that's a great place to kind of just see what the latest, latest from you is. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, all of these ideas, like you said, it's, it's a network. So it's not really just yeah, one of them. Right. You know, we know there's Buddhism as a formal religion and then Hinduism as a formal religion, but then right. we've got this idea of them all kind of merging and yes. pieces coming together to create a new system of belief. And that is kind of what has filled, I, I guess, become the foundation of the new age. And, and then you mentioned new thought. Yes. I want to get into that more, but I would love for you to kind of going back to your story. Okay. Talk to us about what were you actually, you haven't really gotten to the part where you were an astrologer for eight years, you know? No, I haven't. (laughs) What level of success (laughs) did you achieve in your career as someone involved and engaged um, heavily in all of this new age stuff? Yes, I, I did eventually start formally taking astrology classes and Atlanta is actually is very unusual in that and this was set up by the astrologers and the city council like back in 1969 where in order to practice legally in the city limits you had to have a business license but to qualify for that business license you had to show you had either passed the test given the national test given by the American Federation of Astrologers, or you could pass the test given by the Atlanta Board of Astrology Examiners, which was set up in order to do this. They set up this board and astrologers are on the board and they would formulate an exam every year and it would be given to those who wanted to qualify to buy the business license. And this exam was actually given in City Hall, and that's where I took the test. Hmm, I took the test. It's a seven-hour test, 
it's very difficult because astrology is very technical and complicated. And the occult in general, people might be interested to know, is extremely complex. Anything you get into is complex and gets more and more complex <laughs> the more you study it and you never get to mm -hmm. the end of it. Like there's no end to it. You could just go on and on and on and on. It's like a, like a hall of mirrors. You know, there's just no end to it. Right. So I passed that test. And then when you pass the test, you buy a business license and you can practice legally in the city limits. And so that's what I did. I was practicing astrology. I eventually got on the board myself. I was on the board for four years and I was chairperson for the last three of those four years. And then I was also president of the Astrological Society there in Atlanta. And even before I was president, I was very active. I was teaching astrology and I served on various committees. The Astrological Society at that time, I don't know what it's like now, but at that time, it was a very active group and we had a large number of members and we were very proactive. We had an astrology awareness day twice a year in which we would advertise it heavily and invite the public to come to our building. We had our own building. And this was due to a benefactor, a woman who was involved and, and had money. And she actually purchased a building for us. And so we had our own building and we would have this astrology awareness day and have the public come and we do little mini readings for them and little mini lectures on astrology. I actually was in charge of that astrology awareness day a couple of times or worked with those in charge. There was a group of us that would put it on. So I had clients, you know, over once I started doing astrology, I started getting clients, of course, at first very slowly. And then it would, it built up to, because it would be word of mouth. People would tell other people that they knew, hey, you know, I went to this astrologer, Marsha Montenegro, and you should, you should maybe go see her. It was really interesting, or she mm -hmm. really knows all about me, et cetera. And so almost all through word of mouth, I would get clients and you also get clients who come back again because you do a yearly update. Most clients want a yearly update where you look at the in present influences of the planets on their birth chart. So you first initially do their birth chart. Then you can do a yearly update and you can also do relationship charts and you can compare the chart of a, a husband and wife, you can compare the chart of a mother and child, you know, whatever, or whatever the relationship may be. And you can do that in a couple of ways. So I did that. And so I would sometimes see somebody maybe even two or three times a year, if they were having all of that done. Mm -hmm. And I was very, I was kept very busy. Now I did not make very much money at all. <laughs> because really, unless you have celebrity clients, you're not going to make a lot of money. Right. And I, I was married at the time. And actually, I started practicing astrology when my son was just a baby. That's when I started practicing. And I wanted to be able to do something. I loved astrology, but I also wanted to be able to practice at home. So I could try to stay home with him. I wasn't able right. to do that for a while. But eventually, he was in school by then, but then I could still go pick him up from school 
So it sounds like a great work from home opportunity. Exactly. Would, would you recommend that to other women? <laughs> no, no, definitely not. No, it worked out that way, you know, for one who, like me, who believed in astrology and was not a Christian. But no, of mm-hmm. course, I don't recommend that. And I think <laughs> yeah. that it had a very bad influence on my son. So mm-hmm. that not just the astrology, but the other things that I did, you know, I had spirit guides and, you know, it was very detrimental to really to home life. So I don't know about you, but I have found that growing in our relationship with the Lord can be confusing. Sometimes man-made rules and expectations abound, making it all rather overwhelming. Add to that our daily ongoing struggle with sin and our seeming inability to overcome it and growing in sanctification can begin to feel a bit hopeless. That is why authors Rebecca Hargraves, Kayla Nelson, Kathy Schwenk, Lauren Jane Bellows, and Amber Durgan joined forces to write a book just for you. A book entitled Walk by the Spirit, What It Looks Like to Live the Spirit-Filled Life. As Galatians 5.16 tells us, walking by the Spirit truly is the key to resisting the flesh. In this book, you will learn about the tools of walking by the Spirit, tools like Bible study, prayer, and receiving wise counsel from your Christian community. You'll also learn how you can practically apply the practice of walking by the Spirit to each area of your life. With chapters on relationships and marriage, motherhood, work, ministry, hard times, and mental illness. To find out more, head to spiritfilledwomanmag.com slash shop. Like what intervened that, that caused all of this to kind of come crashing down? What happened in your life that got you off of that spiritual path? Yes, and that that was solely due to intervention from the Lord, whom I did not believe in. Hmm. And I was not searching for something else. I wasn't disillusioned with what I was doing or what I believed in. Mm -hmm. I just started having a series of experiences that I call, at first I call them, well, at first it was a compulsion. I felt a compulsion to go to a church, and I had no idea where this came from. I didn't want to go to a church. It was very, very strong, like it would not leave me. Hmm. And I was always thinking about it like, well, should I go into a church or not? And then I would think, well, no, I don't want to go to one. So why why am I thinking of going to one? So it was like this kind of little inner inner argument I would have, and it went on for several months, several months. Finally, I gave into it and I went to a very large church in downtown Atlanta and I decided I would go and I, that I would stay for about 15 or 20 minutes and then I would leave. So I went and I sat in the back on the end of the pew, you know, the uh, by the aisle mm-hmm. so I could leave. And the service began and everyone stood up and they had music was playing and they had a procession from the back of the church with the ministers and the choir. And in front of all these people was a, a boy carrying a cross. This was uh, an Episcopal church, which I don't think I'd ever been in before. And he's coming down the aisle with this cross. I'm really just standing there. And as he walks by me, this really strange thing happened to me. I felt this love falling down on me. Uh, like a waterfall. And it was very, very real. 
And I knew that it was from a personal God. And I, I knew it didn't have anything to do with the music or the people or even the church. I, I just, it was just this waterfall of love. Mm. And it really, I mean, I actually tears started coming out of my eyes. And I didn't know what this meant. I had no idea, but it was very powerful. And so I stayed for the whole service. And then I decided to go back the next Sunday and I continued going there. I was still into my other beliefs and I was still doing astrology. And the church was very, a very, very, very open-minded church. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, a few people that I, I, I would talk to them and tell them I was an astrologer, they would ask me what I did. And some of them wanted my business cards. So I thought, huh. you know, um, maybe I can get some more clients here. And, you know, this looks like maybe a good opportunity. <laughs> for right, me. right. And so I stayed. And this woman I met who was coming from the Catholic church and she was leaving the Catholic church because she wanted to be a priest. And of course you can't do that in the Catholic church. So she mm -hmm. came to the Episcopal church <laughs> and she was very open to what I thought too. Like I told her I was sort of a Christian Buddhist hmm. or a Buddhist Christian. And she said, well, yeah, you know, you can be Christian and Buddhist too. And I said, yeah, I know. You know, like, yeah, sure, oh, right. of course. Yeah. So, um, I'm like, was, what does that mean? <laughs> I, yeah, I was very comfortable there, you know, right. because nobody seemed to mind what I did or what I thought. Well, within a very short period of time, I had an impression that God didn't like astrology at all, like he really hated it. I knew that it didn't really go with Christianity. Somehow I knew that it was not something that was part of or compatible with Christianity. I didn't know why. But I sort of knew it. But this feeling of God hating it was new. And it really bothered me. And then this impression that God hated it turned into this impression that God wanted me to give it up. Mm. And that was really a hard thing to, <laughs> to think about. Yeah. I, I really was, I don't know, I was very appalled by it, like, how could God want me to give up something that I'm, I'm helping people? You know, I saw myself as helping people yeah. and people always told me I helped them. So I thought, right. why would God want me to give something up if I'm helping people? You know, that right. didn't make sense to me. Yeah. And I really was wrestling with this. And I went and talked to the rector of the parish and I told him what was going on. And he was very low key and he took out the Bible and he was reading passages to me from the Old Testament about divination, you know, and he told me, well, you know, they used to even read the livers, or the organs of animals to get messages, you know, and I don't remember precisely what he told me, but it was along those lines. And as, and I kept thinking, well, why is he telling me all this? Because, you know, I'm not doing that kind of stuff, but it's mm -hmm. sort of sunk in. And I realized that what he was saying was somehow confirming this impression that God wanted me to stop and that it was real and that I needed to give it up. Now, this is really amazing because at this point, I, was, I had a lot of clients. I even had some clients overseas. I did charts by mail where people would send me their data and I would record the reading on, a, on a, that time, like on a cassette, and I would mail it. 
and I was writing for some new age magazines. And I kind of had a standing in the astrological community and I had a reputation and this was all like all of a sudden to give all this up was like, you know, it was almost it's your life. Ins- it seems insane. Yeah. 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 But it was so powerful. I knew I had to do it. Yeah. That's incredible. And that whole thing scenario with talking to the rector of the parish happened the night before Thanksgiving. And so my last client was in early December. And then I decided I would start reading the Bible. And I started reading Matthew. And I just was reading a little bit at a time. And I got to Matthew chapter 8. Now, of course, I had heard the stories in church growing up of Jesus. You know, we had had, I'd gone to Sunday school and I knew a lot of stories about Jesus and I knew about the cross, you know, it didn't mean anything to me. It never meant anything to me. It was almost like a fairy tale, but I knew it. It was in the back of my mind. So I'm reading Matthew chapter eight and I'm reading about Jesus on the boat and the storm and how the disciples are scared and he rebukes the sea and the wind and the storm stops. And then he says to them, you know, you have little faith kind of like, when are you going to realize who I am, you know? And I just kept, I kept, the story just really grabbed me and I kept reading it over and over again. And as I was rereading it, God just opened my eyes. I saw who Jesus was for the first time. And I realized I had been on a wrong spiritual path my whole life and that I needed Christ. I understood I needed him I don't know that I thought in these terms as a savior. I'm not sure that that I, I, you know, I had heard the word, but I'm not sure. I, I didn't think in Christian knees, you know, Yeah. I yeah. thought in the terms of somebody coming out of the new age who realized who Jesus was right. and that I needed that I, I was separated from God mm-hmm. and that I needed to be connected to God or reconcile with God. And it had to be through Christ. And I'm sure the word reconcile was not in my vocabulary at the time. But that's what I, that I understood it without knowing that word. Yeah. And I just gave my, myself to Christ at that moment. And immediately I knew I was, I knew everything was new. I knew I was a new person. Mm. I knew everything was different. It was like a complete shift in my life had happened. And actually, and it had, and that complete shift had happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, well, from there, later, it happened. It was, it, it actually did. That's, you know, what I love about your story is that, I mean, I know that you were raised in kind of, you know, a Christian environment to some degree. And and so you were probably familiar with some of those ideas and and you said you walked away from them, but it is such a, it's a picture of the power of the spirit of God. Like your story just kind of highlights and puts in this frame for us, the power of the Holy Spirit and of God himself to, of God, the father to have who he will. You know, like, yes, he could have used someone to witness to you or to, you know, call you out of the darkness and into the light. He could have done that, but he did it himself. Like the, what, what is so cool is just that he can and that he does. Cause I mean, as believers, I think right. sometimes we forget that, you know, God doesn't actually need us like, and, right. and he, of course <laughs> uses us, but he doesn't need yeah. us in, in his equation. And it's just beautiful that you know, how he really reached into your story and then pulled you out of that. 
Yes, it, it is amazing because a couple of Christians had tried to talk to me before. Well, some of them in a very negative way. You know, I remember one man who tried to talk to me. I went and spoke to the, believe it or not, to the Lions Club. As I was on the speaking, the Speaker's Bureau of the Astrological Society, <laughs> if there were any groups in town that wanted to hear about astrology, you know, we would provide a speaker. And I spoke to parents without partners. And I remember this man, after my talk there, walked with me to the bus stop. And, you know, I, I know he was, he was a Christian and he was, and he was somehow talking to me about something Christian, but I don't remember a word that he said to me. And the whole time he was talking to me, it just, it was like, I, I, it was like, I really didn't hear him mm-hmm. and it just meant nothing to me. It was just like noise. And I just didn't really hear what he said. But I do need to add that a few months after this happened, I found out that this young man who befriended me and would just ask me questions about things. And he was very nice. I knew he was a Christian. He and a young adult group at his church had been praying for me. Wow. Yeah. So God, in that instance, I'm not saying God could, could have done yeah. it without them. Yeah, yeah. But he but he chose to choose Guy and the, the young adult group he was fellowship he was in at his church to pray for me. And then they got to see that their prayers, they got to see the fruit of their prayers. Yeah. And they so got cool. to see God working. You know, they that was that was a testimony to them. Mm-hmm. And also I think a lot of people who hear this this story, who who know people who are very hard to reach, who, you know, won't go to church or, or even hostile, you know, to Christianity. Mm -hmm. They hear my story because I was, I was hostile. Yeah. And they see that God can reach anyone, you know, and, and in this case, as you pointed out, it wasn't anybody witnessing to me and talking to me. It was just these people praying for me. Yeah. So I think it's a big encouragement for Christians to pray for people, you know, who they think just, they just can't reach or they can't talk to, or they feel like they're, you know, like, I don't know. I just uh, feel like giving up on this person, you know, they're so hardened. Well, it doesn't matter how hardened the person is. God broke me down over all those months. Mm -hmm. You know, I was very hardened. And how could he have known what was going on in your life? He didn't know that you no, had this had guy, that this guy did not know they were praying and they didn't see any anything idea. visible right. for that whole year. They, they didn't see what was going on with me. They just continued, you know, he just continued to see me as the same kind of person doing yeah. the same things. Right. He didn't know I was going to that church. I didn't tell anybody. Yeah. And it's also another thing to draw out of that story is that he did not preach at you first off. Like, you know, right. he's a Christian right. probably because right. of how he lived, or maybe he shared some details about, oh, I go to church or whatever. But it wasn't like he was trying to shove his beliefs or the Bible down your throat every day at work. He was kind. He was nice. And, yes. and like you said, he asked questions, which yes. is just about the best thing you can do to learn about someone and, and also show that you do care about them. Yes, exactly. He, he didn't preach. He didn't tell me astrology was wrong because mm-hmm. I did tell some people there, you know, I did astrology. I didn't tell them that was why I was there. Yeah. But they did find out eventually I did astrology. 
the reason I, I knew he was, well, one reason I knew he was a Christian is he told me he had gone on a missions trip to Guatemala. And when he told me that, I immediately in my head thought, oh, he's a Christian. You know, he's really, he's really a Christian. He went on a missions trip, you know, so I didn't really know what a missions trip was, but I, I mean, generally yeah, yeah, I kind yeah. of had an idea of it. So I classified him immediately as a Christian and right. he was a very nice, he was a very nice guy. Thank you guys for listening today. Be sure and keep your eyes open for next week's episode when we're going to get even deeper into a discussion about what the new age teachings really are and how we can identify those even within the Christian faith today and some see how that way of thinking in that worldview is actually kind of infiltrating a lot of the things that we see happening in you know popular Christian teachings and practices today. So it's going to be another great episode. Um, until then, come say hi to me on Instagram at haleywilliams.kindled. And yeah, I'd love to say hi to you guys. All right. See you next Monday.